Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Hello and welcome back to the INED Bootcamp. For this meeting, we're going to talk specifically about the role of the independent ACD and what are the implications both for non-executive directors and also from a governance and oversight standpoint. And I have two experts, gentlemen who have considerable experience with both the independent ACDs set up, but happily for us who can, who can compare and contrast some of the work done in other forms of ACDs as well. So let me bring them both on straight away. Dean Buckley, you're very welcome. Dean is um, not just an independent director with a host ACD, Dean is an independent director with an internal ACD, and Dean is an independent director with an investment trust. So we've essentially got three for the price of one, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to reflect a little bit about some of the other ACD roles uh, or directorship roles that Dean has. And welcome back to Peter Christmas, our very special partner for the boot camp. Uh, Peter's going to reflect uh, his experience in uh, NatWest uh, trustee and depository services experiences in dealing with both sorts of ACDs. So we'll get the benefit of Peter's experience there as well. Uh, so gentlemen, let's, uh, let's get straight to it. And Dean, I'd like to ask what seems like a pretty obvious and simple question. What is an independent ACD and how, does, how would you distinguish it from the other type? Thanks, Shiv, and thanks for the introduction. Um, yeah, an ACD is, is the body that's legally responsible for the day-to-day -day fund management of a fund. Um, it, it, it's the body that must ensure that the fund is managed within the detailed regulations that apply to that particular fund. Now, of course, the day-to-day the, the -day investment management is delegated to a regulated investment manager. Now, that investment manager might be part of the same group as, as the ACD, and that's what's known as an internal ACD arrangement. Um, and I'm on the board at Bailey Gifford, and that's what we have there, it's an internal ACD. But alternatively, the, the investment manager might be part of a completely separate group to the ACD. And at Smith & Williamson, that's the arrangement there. Smith & Williamson is an independent ACD. And we've actually got around about 40 separate investment management groups as, as delegates within the ACD umbrella. Now, there's a, there's a nuance here that is very important to understand, and, and it's this. Legally, the ACD is responsible for the fund, and the ACD appoints the investment manager. But commercially, the relationship works the other way around, and it's the investment manager that really sponsors the fund. It's the investment manager that ensures that the fund is successful. And actually, it's the investment manager that decides who the ACD is going to be. But to be absolutely clear, from the FCA's perspective, 
it regards the ACD rather than the investment manager as the group that's responsible for the fund. And interestingly, to, to be a, a, an independent non-exec on an ACD, you do actually require the approval of the FCA. So both internal and independent ACDs, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're providing a structure that, um, that ensures that the funds comply with regulations. And in doing that, they protect investors. But both have been criticized. And with the internal ACD, you're effectively overseeing your own funds. So there's a perception that there's a lack of independence. And with the independent ACD, you're effectively appointed by the investment manager. So critics would argue, well, the ACD's got no incentive to upset their paymaster. So, you know, how can they genuinely oversee the funds? So the FCA took on board these criticisms and they made some very important changes. The first is they made it mandatory that independent non-execs are appointed to the boards of both internal and independent ACDs. And the second thing they did is that they introduced the assessment of value, which is this annual attestation by the board that each of the funds that they're responsible for is delivering value to investors. And to the extent that they're not, then what action is the board taking to ensure that they do? So the, 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 that's the, the, the independent and internal ACDs. Thank you, Dean. That's, that was very well put. And, and uh, you, you raise a very important point. I should have flagged this at the start of our discussion. We're recording this uh, conversation at a point in time where we know that there is a review of the independent ACD sector that's underway. We don't have the results or the findings of that yet, and um, we may not for some time yet, but hopefully some of these issues will undoubtedly get dealt with or uh, looked at through that uh, process. And I will come back to a couple of points that you've raised within your initial commentary there, um, Dean. But let me quickly follow up with one question. And you sort of, you, you took us up to the point, but you haven't quite gotten us over there. Roles and responsibilities for independent directors, this important group of people now who have to sit on these ACD boards. You, you've said that, that both types, internal and independent, have similar roles, but given this, the structures are, are a little different, is, is your responsibility wearing your Smith and Williamson hat different to your responsibility wearing your Bailey Gifford hat? No, no, I, I, I don't think it is. I, I think, you know, in, in broad terms, I think that the roles and responsibilities of INEDs, regardless of whether they're on independent or, or internal ACDs, I think the roles are the same. The primary role of the independent um, non-exec is to protect investors. And when I'm sat in a, a, a boardroom listening to debate, I like to think that I'm the voice of the investor. You know, the investor that can't be sat around the table, what would they say about the fund? So, you know, I'm, some of the questions that I'm really focused on is, is the fund being managed in a way that's consistent with its objectives? Is the investment performance satisfactory against those objectives? And if it's not, what is the board doing about it? Are the expenses borne by the fund 
fair and reasonable in the context of what's being provided. Um, what about the liquidity profile? Is that acceptable? Uh, are the operational aspects of the fund being managed efficiently? There are lots and lots of, of, of questions. And I think those questions are consistent, mm -hmm. whether it's internal or independent. The, there are two, to my mind, there are two big differences. The first is that the independent ACD is a commercial enterprise. So, you know, it's, it's there to make a profit at the end of the day. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm thoughtful around, well, is it capitalized appropriately? How profitable is it and what is the outlook for profitability? And what's the strategy for growth? Because ultimately, not only needs to need it, not only does it need to perform its fiduciary role, but it needs to be successful as a commercial enterprise. The second main area of difference, um, I think, I think it's sli that's slightly less visible, is that typically with an internal ACD, you're going to have the oversight of one investment manager, whereas with an independent board, you'll be overseeing potentially many investment managers. And that to me adds a level of operational complexity and also requires a well-resourced and technically quite skilled third-party oversight team. Mm. And it also means that as an independent non-exec, you're, you're slightly further away or more detached from the investment managers than you are in the internal ACD structure. That last point is a really important one, Dean. Thank you for that. We'll come back to that in a minute. I want to bring Peter in. Uh, Peter, you sit at the sort of heart of a lot of what we've just talked about as in your role as uh, a depository. So give us your sense of what you see. Obviously you deal with both types through your work at NatWest. What in your mind are some of the differences or uh, what are some of the areas of common purpose between the two types that, that you see from, from, from your standpoint? Yeah, I guess firstly, sort of reiterating some of what Dean said, you know, from a, from a contractual perspective um, or from a structural perspective, there isn't any difference. You know, the depository is appointed by the ACD. So whether that's an independent or, or an in-house ACD, that makes no difference. Um, I think the differences from our perspective are much more along the lines of the operational complexity. Um, so just for example, um, of our, um, the, the assets that we have as a depository, um, around about 15% by assets would be from the host ACD sector. Um, but slightly more than half of the funds that we have would be from the host ACD sector. So you've got a very different, um, you've got a very different profile. So you've got, you tend to have a lot more funds and the average size of those funds tend to be smaller. Um, and in fact, I just, I, I looked up some research that we did a couple of years ago um, that for the host sector as a whole, um, in the UK, the average assets per fund was just over 120 million. Um, whereas for the rest, excluding the host sector, 
um, it was just under 550 million per fund. So the average fund size is much smaller. So from a depository perspective, you've got more work to do because there are more funds that you need to reconcile, that you need to um, check that the NAV's done correctly on, you need to check the subscriptions redemptions. So there's certainly more operational work to be done. I guess the second part of it is that um, the oversight of the ACD's oversight of the underlying asset manager. So when we do our due diligence on the host ACD, one of the additional areas we'll look at is how are they overseeing the underlying asset manager? We as a depository have no commercial or legal relationship with the underlying asset manager. So we need to be sure that the host ACD or the independent ACD has done appropriate due diligence and also has appropriate monitoring in place through the life of the fund. Um, so I think that's that, that, those are probably probably the main differences. It's also, I guess it's worth sort of pointing out there tend to be there tend to be broadly two reasons why there might be an independent ACD. Um, one would be um, basically investment managers who not necessarily are too small, but but don't want the, the compliance overhead that there would be in having an ACD and all the regulatory overhead. So effectively outsource that to someone else. And the other example would be somebody from a different country effectively wanting to launch a fund in the UK. And again, for the same reasons, not wanting to set up the same, uh, the, the same amount of, um, of, uh, of, of, of local um, infrastructure. And I would say in the UK, the first of those is that tends to be the, the predominant model. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for that, Peter. So obviously we're doing this as part of our INED bootcamp and we've got a range of different INEDs, those with considerable experience, those with slightly less, and some of those who have aspirations to sit on fund boards. So let me come back to you, Dean, and sort of say, if I was sort of looking to sit on an independent ACD board, what are some of the questions I should be asking myself? And indeed, I suspect some of the questions you asked as, as you decided to take on that role that are particular to an independent ACD that you may not feel the need to have asked, say, on an internal ACD, that you as an independent director going into that position were, were asking of the people you were going to be working with on the uh, host ACD uh, firm? Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there are, you know, lots of questions that I ask at interview, and I guess some of those questions will be consistent, whether it's an independent or whether it's a host. And I think some of those in, in, in that area, some of the questions that would be really at the front of my mind would be firstly, you know, the quality of the board that I would potentially be joining, you know, both in terms of its seniority and also the breadth of experience. I, I remember when I interviewed at Bailey Gifford that I, I was enormously impressed by the fact that the senior partner of Bailey Gifford is on the board of the ACD that I was joining. And that just underlined to me the importance that Bailey Gifford put on this particular structure. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.